Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you right now for your word. We ask that you would open up our hearts. Lord, open up our minds to receive the encouragement, Lord. The encouragement that you have for us this morning. God, this is an encouraging word. This is good stuff. This is good news. There's good hope for today and tomorrow. And we ask that you'd open up our hearts to receive it, Lord. That we wouldn't be so distracted or spaced out or tired, Lord. Help us to just focus in so that we can hear your voice, even if it's me speaking. In Jesus' name, amen. I remember... uh, Oh man, it was when I was in college, and one of the interesting things about my particular college is you had to take these things called like core credits or foundation credits. I remember it was the thing that really bummed me out about college because you have to take a bunch of classes that you're not interested in, you're not going to do, you're, it's not your major, it's not, you know, I almost wish you could just focus on that, but you know, you got to take all these things. And So I had to take a class, and I remember it was in this block of sciences. None of the sciences I wanted, I was able to get. So it was like intro to physics or something like that. I mean, believe me, you do not want me building your house. Definitely not your bridge. But um, so I'm I'm in this class, and uh, I remember he showed a video, and it was a VHS, so I think it must have been from the 80s. And uh, But he showed a video. I was in college in the 90s. Anyway, uh, so... He showed this video, and it was about the, uh, what, 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 you know, the first service did not know this. Newton's cradle, where the ball, you know, you got the five balls, and you pull one, and it goes, tick, tick, tick. anybody ever have one of those on your desk? You know, tick, tick, tick. So, so, you know, it was, it was the physics behind that, and another thing that he, they were trying to demonstrate was when you have, like, a, a something attached by rope to something, the more you move it, it will go up or down because it, you know, it's, it's on a diameter, not a radius. And the professor was getting really animated saying, you know what, no matter what you do, this rope is not going to get any longer. And so one of the students, one of the teacher's aides, uh, had come in the night before, knew he was going to be talking about this. And so he went ahead and put on the ceiling a big four by four attached by rope. And so the students like, and to demonstrate this experiment as to how a, uh, a radius and a diameter never changes, can I have Professor so-and-so come on up, and I want you to stand right here, okay? We're going to pull this wooden beam back, and when we let go, now they had pre-measured it to about four inches above his height. When we let go, it is not going to hit you. And so just kind of demonstrate how, you know, you always have equidistance to the center of the circle. And I remember thinking, oh, that's a cool video to show in class. I'm going to see this professor get clocked. But I'm thinking, wait a minute, no, that's the whole point is that he's not going to get clocked. So they pull the thing back, you know, and, of course, the professor's kind of standing there like this, you know, and, and they pull it back. And then finally you hear uh, release, and the thing releases, and you see it coming down, and you know that it's not going to hit the professor. But what does the professor do? He jumps out of the way. He jumps out of the way, you know. That is a lot like faith. We can know that we know that we know that God is real, that God is able, that God is powerful, and yet when the rubber meets the road, we jump out of the way because what we see coming at us is more scary than what we know is going to happen what we know God is going to do for us. I'll say it again. What we see coming at us is more scary than what we know God is going to do for us. 
And a lot of times we can live our lives with almost a schizophrenic faith. On the one hand, believing that Jesus rules and reigns and that he's got everything in the palm of his hand, that God is in control. But on the other hand, living in the valley of defeat, believing that, well, I don't think God will do anything for me. Today, I want to talk a little bit more about that. About the Goliath we've had our series facing Goliaths and perhaps the biggest Goliath, the one we started last week and we'll finish this week, is that Goliath of fear. And the definition of fear we had last week, we'll put it up again there, that fear grips us whenever we believe, we believe, that apart from or in spite of our best efforts, something or someone stronger and undesirable is going to hurt us and we can't stop it. In short, We fear what we can't control. We fear what we can't control. When it's out of our control, there's sort of a certain anxiety that can produce it. Now, what's very interesting is when we fear that, when we cannot get into control, when when we finally get it under control, right, we have a whole new fear that pops up. We fear that it's gonna get out of control, right? We, we, We have a tendency as human beings to just always resort to our fears and our concerns because we cannot see the future and we do not know what's going to happen right around the corner fear often says you've been through too much you'll never have a joyful life whereas faith says according to jesus my best days are ahead of me fear often says it's too good to be true and faith says If it's God, then it's true. Amen? Fear says, this is never going to work out. And faith says, if this is God, then nothing can stop this from working. Amen? It often comes down to which voice you're going to cultivate. Remember the story of the two dogs? One dog was called fear, and one dog was called faith. And and they said, you know, which one is going to live? Which one is going to rise, you know? And the dog owner said, well, the one who feed, the one I feed will be the one who lives. And the one that starves will be the one that dies. And this morning, my encouragement to you is starve the dogs of fear. Let them die. Feed the dogs of faith and let them live. Because it often comes down to which voices in your head are you going to cultivate and allow to blare into your soul. Fear and faith, fear and faith are similar. Fear and faith are similar in many ways. Check this out. First of all, both fear and faith ask us to believe in things we can't see, right? Uh, you can't, often the things we're afraid of, we can't see down the road. That's why we're afraid because afraid we can't see what's going to happen. It's the same with faith. Faith is calling us to believe in God's ability even though we can't see what God is going to do down the road. Both serve as prophetic voices we choose to cultivate. You can listen to the voices of faith and go through life with peace or you can listen to the voices of fear and go through life with anxiety. Both can make us feel uncomfortable. I don't know about you, but I've been walking in faith now for almost 22 years, and it is still an uncomfortable walk. There's still times where I shake my head and go, God, is this life really going to work? Because it's an uncomfortable thing. Why? Because we cannot see what's around the corner. And both 
are very spiritually rooted. When we experience the kind of fear I'm talking about, there's a very spiritual root to it. Now, I'm not talking about the fear where if you're walking out in the woods and you, know, you step in a den of rattlesnakes and you, know, you, you get afraid that they're going to bite you. That's not the kind of fear I'm talking about. I'm talking about that latent fear that somehow or another life is something to dread and the uncontrollable things of life is something to live in fear of as opposed to living in faith, knowing that God is able, God is powerful, and God is willing, that he's real. Last night at the fall festival, I was talking to somebody, and they just said, they, they, they obviously don't go to church, and they, they don't talk to pastors very much. They said, Pastor, you know what? I'm glad I'm talking to you. I want to ask you some, some questions. Have you ever seen supernatural things happen in this life? Oh my goodness, you talk to the right guy. Us pastors, we like have a front row seat to a lot of that kind of stuff. So I, I was telling them some of the things that has happened over the years in the ministry, some miracles and uh, some words of uh, prophetic word, prophecy words, and all these kinds of other things. And, and man, you could just see he was keep going more, more, more. He was just drinking deep of this. And, and, and so I said, finally, I said, look, sir, I, I don't know how else to tell you this, but God is real. God is real. We're not just evolved primates. I said, you are a spiritual being. That's why we can process faith. But we can also process fear. In the Bible, over 300, no, 366 times, exactly. One for each day of the year, including leap year. Right? 366 times in the Bible, the Bible says, fear not. Every day, if you wanted, you could pull up a different verse of the Bible and it would talk about not being afraid because God loves us, God is with us, and God is able. Now, I mean, I, I wish it was <laughs> that easy. I mean, you kind of like, you know what? The pastors, they make it sound so easy. You know, I mean, if we could just walk away from our fears, everybody would be doing it. And I understand that sometimes this is more of a process. This is something that happens in us daily and not in a day. But I've been asking myself a lot lately, why? Why is faith so hard and fear so easy? Why? Can we not at times just hold on to what we believe? If I were to ask a lot of you, I talk, and I say, tell me about Jesus. You'd have some amazing things to say about Jesus. Jesus is my Lord. Jesus is my Savior. Jesus has been in my family for generations. Jesus, you know, you, they're, 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 we have this, like I said, the sort of schizophrenic faith. We believe so much in Jesus. And yet when it comes down to God actually doing something in our lives, we're not really sure he's going to. I'm asking myself the question, why do we seem to have such a double standard when it comes to faith? Here's four reasons I believe why. First of all, because we're not patient. Let's face it, when we become afraid, we can get very freaked out, you know? Very, uh, oh my gosh, this, thing, this thing's scaring me, it's terrifying me. And so when you're in the midst of something that is scary, you just want to not be scared right away. How many of us, because of impatience, we have made 
quick decisions. We've rushed to a decision that we have only regretted later. And when we look back on it, there was something we were afraid of that we were trying to fix. Whether it's getting into a relationship too soon, taking a job that you knew wasn't for you, moving out of the house in a fashion that wasn't the right way. I mean, there's things we can do. And if we look back and we peel, you got to ask yourself, what were we so afraid of? There's something about fear that makes us impatient. I know me, when I talk to somebody and I hang up the phone, sometimes my wife will be like, man, you came off kind of strong, like kind of aggressive, maybe even a little bit rude. I bet you they're really mad at you right now. I'm like, that's what I need my wife for. She's my translator for life. And I'll be like, oh, okay, I'll call him tomorrow. You know, it's 11 o'clock, I'll call him tomorrow. What happens when I lay down in bed? All I do is start thinking about that, you know. Man, was I mean? Man, did I say, you know, it's 11.30 at night. What am I doing? I'm calling them on the phone. Why? Because I'm, I'm impatient. I can't wait till the morning. I got to call them right now. Tom, why are you calling me right now? Because I'm so afraid that I might have hurt you. Who cares, you know. I mean, just we get, when imp, one of the biggest products of fear is impatience. We become afraid, we become impatient, and then we either do something wrong, say something wrong, think something wrong, or make a wrong decision. Buy something that we don't have the money to buy yet. But because we're afraid of something happening, we gotta go buy this, and we have to have it, what, right now. That's isn't all of TV commercials like playing upon a fear. You need this, and you need this right now. If you don't have this, then you won't have this, and that will be bad, right? You know? So, I mean, what they think, we're all going to run out to the store and buy this now? Just, you know? But seriously, fear plays into our impatience. Second thing, let's face it. God rarely does stuff the way we think he ought to, you know? A lot of times when you say, God, I'm going to pray for a spouse, or a wife, or a husband. And by the way, God, there's five things I'd really like to have. And dot, 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 you know, and, and, and all of those things. And what are, we, what are we doing when we do that? We're answering God's prayers for him. I can tell you this right now. It is a very rare day when God answers my prayers the way I envision in my head he's going to answer it. But therein also lies the problem. Every now and then, I'll pray, I'll have an answer in my head as to how God should do it. God does it that way, and I think, cool, I'm calling the shots now, you know? God's listening to me now, you know? But that's very rare. Often, it's like the scripture that Paul said, no ear has heard, no mind has seen, no eye has perceived what God has in store for those who follow him. So, Stop trying to answer God's prayers. Stop trying to tell him what to do. And stop trying to pray with an answer in mind. Just say, God, this belongs to you. And I'm going to trust you to work this out in the best way you see fit. Amen? That's a step of faith right there. Number three, sometimes we are unaware when God is working on the problem. A few years ago, I had someone in, uh, in, in my office for pastoral care. And he was like, you know, I, I don't have any friends. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm scratching my head. I'm like, wait a minute. I know this guy meets with you every week. I know you serve on this team. I know you do this every other month out with the guys. I'm, I'm thinking to myself, I know what you've told me. So he's going and going. And I said, finally, I said, wait a minute. I said, wait a minute. 
I said, for someone who doesn't think he has any friends, you have a lot more than a lot of guys I know. And I started going through all this stuff. And as I was going through that, he's like, you know what? You're right. You're kind of right. I do have more friends than I realize. You know, sometimes God can answer our prayers, and we're still unaware he has. Remember the story about the person drowning in the middle of the ocean? And he's praying, God, save me. God, save me. And so a ship comes by and throws him, what do you call those little uh, life raft? Lifesaver, thank you. And the guy pushes it away and says, no, 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 God's going to save me. So then a guy with a rowboat comes in and says, hey, you want to hop in the boat? He says, oh, thank you very much. God's going to save me, you know. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, a canoe starts floating right in front of him, you know. And uh, he lets the canoe go by and says, God, I'm still waiting for you to save me, you know. Finally, he drowns. He goes to heaven. He says, God, what, what gives? I thought you were going to save me. It's like, well, after the ship, after the life ring, after the canoe and the boat and all that, I thought you'd get the hit. Completely unaware that those were sent by God. A lot of times, God works in the here and now natural, and we can be completely unaware. Yeah, there are times where you see it, where you see it. You know, the dramatic ones. The one that comes to my mind is when I saw a man who was blind in one eye blink and he had a completely brown eye perfect and you're just you sit there for a moment going did i just you know i mean just die, you know i mean you're drooling it's such an amazing miracle right in front of your face but those are few and far between more often it's the supernatural work of god within the natural walk of life where god is working those things out and finally let's face it sometimes we do not want to repent or change what got us in the pit in the first place. Lord Jesus, I want to lose weight, but I don't want to go on a diet. Please don't make me give up my Krispy Kreme, you know? I mean, come on. Lord Jesus, I want to give up booze, but just one more 12-pack, please, you know? Lord Jesus, I want to give up cigarettes, but this is my last pack, you know? I mean, a lot of times we can be praying for God to do something, but we're actually working against the answer to that prayer because there's something we're unwilling to change or unwilling to repent of that got us in that place in the first place. Lord, I want a better marriage, but I'm still going to yell at her when she does something wrong. Uh, Sometimes we got to look at our part in the equation as well. If you go to, <clears throat> there's a couple of scriptures I want to show, show you here. And when I say these, I want you to ask yourself, can I absorb these into my spirit and trust God with these verses? I'm just going to fire them away like a machine gun. Listen up real quick. Absorb these. These are a whole bunch of different verses from all over the Bible that was written about 1,500 years apart from each other. And they're all saying the same thing. Because God is with you, you do not have to choose fear. You can choose faith. Check it out. In 2 Timothy 1.7, says, For God gave us not a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and self-control. In Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10, God says to his children, Fear not, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. 1 Peter 5, 7, God says, cast all your cares on me 
He says, cast all your, all your anxieties, anything that produces worry, fear, or anxiety, send it up. Send it up to me because I care about you. 1 John 4, 18 says, there is no fear in love because perfect love casts out all fear. For fear has to do with punishment. Something bad is going to happen. Whoever fears has not been perfected in God's love. Psalm 27, verse 1 David says, this is when he's on the run being chased by Saul, the Lord is my light. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Who am I going to be afraid of? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom am I really going to be afraid? Psalm 56, 3 and 4, David says, when I'm afraid, I put my trust in you. In God whose word I praise, in God I trust, I shall not be afraid. What can flesh do to me? If God is my God, what can flesh really do to me? Romans chapter 8, verse 15, for you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. The Holy Spirit will never lead you into fear. The Holy Spirit will, now he may push you out of your comfort zone and that may cause some angst, but he's never going to lead you into fear. He says, we have not received a spirit that falls back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry Abba, Father, God is our Father. Psalm 27, verse 3. Though an army encamp around me, my heart shall not fear. Though war rise against me, yet will I be confident. And then Joshua 1, 9. Have I not commanded you? I mean, if it makes it easy, it is disobeying God to live life in fear. If that helps you. God has commanded us to walk by faith. He says, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. Why? For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So just like these verses, what is faith saying? Faith says, I am confident that God is more powerful and more trustworthy than whatever Goliath I am facing. I am more confident that God is more powerful and more trustworthy. Now, here's the thing. It may require patience. And I know, I mean, I can imagine those disciples in the boat when the storm is rocking their boat all around them and they think the storm's going to flip their boat, they're going to drown. I can understand gripping tight to the sides and going, Lord, I'm trying to be patient, but it really looks like things are getting out of control here. I get that. Faith requires patience, a supernatural patience, patience to close your eyes and say, though the storm rage around me, yet will I trust in you. If you go to the story we're going to read this morning, it comes out of Matthew chapter 14 in verse 25. Matthew writes, shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them. Jesus had sent his 12 apostles in the boat. They're rowing. They're now in the middle of the lake. It's at night, and a storm whips up. And remember, they don't have lights and stuff like that. Maybe they have you know, little lanterns or whatever. But I mean, it's not like they just know they're getting tossed, and they can't even really see well. All of a sudden, Jesus catches up with them. He wanted to take some R&R time for a little bit. Needed a break, be with him and his dad. So he defies nature. He starts walking on water. 
with the power of God. And he, he's walking toward the boat. And the disciples freak out. Let's, let's read this. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake in verse 26, it says, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said. And they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. And Peter said, Lord, if it's you, then tell me to come out and walk on the water. So Jesus said, bring it on. Come on down. You're the next contestant on the disciples walking on the water. And it says, Peter got down out of the boat and walked on water and came toward Jesus. Now, that little phrase came toward Jesus. Who was Peter looking at as he was walking on the water? He's looking at Jesus, right? Came toward Jesus. The only way he could go toward Jesus is if he was looking where he's at. So Peter is looking at Jesus and walking toward him, and he is doing something that, to my knowledge, no human being, no human being like us has ever done. Jesus was a human being kind of like us. Remember, he was God. But Peter was really like us, and he is walking on water. Uh, Say what you want about the guy. He did something none of us have done. He walked on water. While he was looking at Jesus. Then it says this. Verse 30. But when he saw the wind. He was afraid. And he began to sink. And he cried out Lord save me. In verse 31. Immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. And said you have little faith. He said why did you doubt? In verse 32, when they climbed into the boat, then the wind died down. A couple of things here. First of all, as long as Peter was looking at Jesus, he was walking on water. But the moment he took his eyes off God and began to look at all the stuff, you know, the mess of the world around him, he began to sink. What was he sinking? He was going to sink under the weight and pressures of a world that he could not control or understand. The winds, the waves, the things that were far bigger than Peter were sinking him as he kept his eyes off of God. But as soon as he locked eyes with God, reached out his hand and said, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus pulls him up. He says, why did you doubt? You know what the translation of why did you doubt is? Why did you stop looking at me? A lot of you may say, boy, that's a little bit of an insult. You know, why did you doubt you have little faith? No, he's not trying to insult him. He's trying to teach him, as long as you're looking at me, you can walk on water. Why don't you take your eyes off? You'll begin feeling the weight of the world sinking you down. The pressures, the stress, that which we can't control, weighting you down and down and down and down. One more thing to notice about this story. Notice when the storm subsides. Not as soon as he pulls him up out of the water. We don't know how far it was, but Jesus and Peter had the long walk back to the boat, or short walk, but they had a walk back to the boat. And while Jesus and Peter are walking back to the boat, the storm is still raging. The storm will end. But sometimes... God uses the storm and walks through us with the storm for a few paces. 
Because even the storms can have purpose to remind us not to give in to fear, but to walk by faith and not by sight. Amen? A couple of things real quick and then I'm going to let you go. First of all, how do we build our faith? We build our faith by hearing the word. You're doing that right now. By being in church, coming out Wednesday nights, uh, buying a Bible, opening it up, and just reading through. If you don't know where to start, start with the Gospel of John. Start with the Psalms. Start with Genesis. That's the first book. Start with James. Start somewhere. Just start reading it and believing it. Let, that, let it sink into you because as you're reading the Bible, God is talking to you. And as God is talking to you, faith is growing and building. Pretty soon, you're going to have a day where you open up and you're reading the Bible and something that day just hit the fan. And everything in you normally would freak out and wig out. But all of a sudden, that verse comes into your head. Wait a minute. I just read about this. I'm not going to freak out. I'm going to handle this with faith and not succumb to fear. I was, a few years ago, I was, I was wondering, I, you know, most of you know, I, uh, most of you can tell that I have ADHD, adult ADHD, and so I take a little medicine for it just to keep the focus and take the edge off, and I was experimenting a little bit and looking at some flyers and pamphlets for other medicines, and I looked at a really strong depression medicine, and I was reading about this depression medicine. I stayed on the ADHD medicine, but I wanted to know more about what depression medicine does because it was like talking about what it does. And it said this. It said, when you take medicine for depression, it dulls the chemicals in the body that produce fear and anxiety. I remember thinking to myself, that's good. I need to score me some of that stuff, you know. It dulls the chemicals that produce fear and anxiety. But this was the one I did not know. And it erases your short-term memory by enhancing the new memories to override the fearful memories. You hear that? It dulls the chemicals in your body that produce fear and anxiety. And it erases your short-term memory so that you can put the new memories without the anxiety in place of them. When I read that, you know what my conclusion was? That's exactly what the Bible does. What Zoloft and Selexa and Xanax, what all those do for the body is what the Bible does for the soul and spirit, and ultimately the body. Amen? That's what the Bible does. Just take your Bible out and write Xanax across it, you know? Because it, it, it dulls or it pushes out the fear and fills it up with faith. Number two, confirm your faith by keeping God in front of you rather than behind you. In Psalm chapter 16, verse 8 and 9, David says, I have always set the Lord before me. Therefore, my heart is glad, my tongue rejoices, and my body sleeps at night like a baby. That was my, my translation. Ask yourself the question, are you following where God is taking you? Or are you asking God to follow you and clean up the messes? Number three, name it specifically in prayer. Too many times I'll go to pray with people, so what am I praying for? Oh, can you just pray for my anxiety? All right, listen, that don't help me. 
all right? Uh, I am not the prophet Isaiah. I am not the prophet Jeremiah. I can't read your mind. And yes, every now and then the, word, the Lord may give me a word of knowledge as to how to pray for you, but we can cut the time down in half. If you just come out and say, well, actually what I'm really worried about is there's a bill that I cannot pay. All right, let's pray for that. The reason why I like praying specifically is sometimes the more specific you pray, the more glory God gets when that specific prayer is answered specifically. Lord God, there's a bill. And I know I made some financial mistakes. I know I'm the one that screwed all this up. God, can you help me get out of this? Lord Jesus, my boss at work, I think he might be the devil in human being disguise. Can you please? You said you said you help me overcome the devil. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Can I go in tomorrow and resist him? Lord Jesus, my little girl, my beautiful daughter, my amazing little girl. Oh my goodness, God, thank you so much for my daughter. She's amazing. But she's with this idiot guy. Can you break them up for me, God, please? <laughs> no, I don't pray that. <laughs> I mean, pray that if it's true, but. Or even more to the point, Lord Jesus, my first chemo treatment is tomorrow. And God, I don't know what to pray. I have no words. All I can say is this belongs to you because I belong to you. Amen. And if you would bow your heads and close your eyes with me. Heavenly Father, I pray right now. Is it impatience? Does feel fear better feel better because we can get what we want quick? The get quick schemes of life? Is it that we try to answer our own prayers or dictate how you're going to do things and if you don't do it our way, then we just give up on you? God, is it that we are unaware that you are doing more in our lives and we, have, we do not have the discernment to see it? Lord, what is it? What is it that holds us back from the life of faith? Like David said, the Lord is my life and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Thank you, Jesus. Right now, just sitting down, bowing your heads, closing your eyes. It's important to know where faith begins. You're not born with it. It's not something I can mail to you or wrap up in a nice Christmas present and give it to you. Faith only comes one way. And that's choosing to believe what you've heard. Like I said to the man last night, I can tell you God is real, but it requires you believing and trusting me that what I'm saying is true. If you go home and think I was telling you a bunch of stories, and that's all I'll ever be for you. If you go home hearing the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, and you believe it, then forever you will be with Jesus in heaven. So I say the same for all of us. Faith begins with a confession, a confession that Jesus Christ is Lord and we're not, that Jesus Christ forgives our sins and we need our sin forgiven, that Jesus Christ is our Savior, for we can't save ourselves, 
And Jesus fills us with his spirit so that we can have the power to choose faith rather than fear. If you'd like to make that decision this morning, that most important decision, I cannot tell you, Jesus will be the best friend you ever have, but you've got to ask for him to come in. You've got to let him in. God does not force himself on anybody. At some point, you make your own confession of faith. On your own accord. Your own surrender. So right now, if you'd like to make that confession of faith, what I'd like you to do, and it's all dark in here. People got their heads bowed and their eyes closed. We're not, we're not doing this to humiliate you or embarrass you. What I'd like you to do right now is if you'd like to receive this faith in Jesus, either for the first time or you just want to rededicate your life to Christ, I want you to stand right now and let God see you stand. Go ahead and stand up right now. Come on. Amen. 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 Anybody else? Amen. Stay standing and let's all together as a church pray this prayer. Repeat after me. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for forgiving all my sins. I surrender my heart and my life to you. I make you my Lord and my Savior. Fill me with the Holy Spirit that I may choose faith and walk away from the fear. In Jesus' name. Amen? Can we give a shout of praise right now? Amen?